welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we're librarians with the Beaufort County Library in South Carolina. And this week, our topic is wartime stories. And I have no idea how we came up with this. I think it was just on the list. Just on our never-ending list. Sometimes Uh, we pick things based on how much we have to read for the podcast. And this is one, yeah, for me mostly. Um, And this is one that we knew we could just pull from a lot of stuff. It just sort of depends on how busy we are with other things in our lives. So hooray. Yay, war. Uh, (laughs) 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 Well, and I had a lot when I started going to pick my three that I was going to talk about. I had a lot of war books, more than I thought. And I tried to stay away from World World War II books because I know that those you feel have been overdone <laughs> and you're sick of them <laughs> and a lot of them were well known yeah uh, but i'm going to throw out a couple of titles just in case you're listening and haven't read these they're fantastic uh one is the nightingale by Kristen hannah oh, which yeah. i've talked about before yes. uh one is the book thief by mm-hmm. by marcus suzak which is excellent and the other one is the guernsey literary Pot- oh yeah wait guernsey literary mm-hmm. and potato peel pie society yes yes by marianne schaefer and somebody else yeah anyway we'll link to it yes yes it'll be in the show notes but those three were the kind of the first three that I thought right. of that I thought well I can't talk about those but they're all amazing books about World War II yeah. and all all different perspectives of it well and it's hard when war is such a common theme in books because a lot of mm. things I had thought I like the first things that came to mind were all books that I had already talked about mm-hmm. on the podcast in completely different topic mm-hmm. episodes so the secret keeper would have been a good, yes, a good war another, story yeah. and and there's, it's. I guess I am speaking for myself. There's times I just curse my past decision making. Where I'm all <laughs> that would have been a better that? pick for later. Ugh. Oh, future self. I know. I past self did not make notes for myself favorite. now and then go back in time and remind myself not to pick that book. Yes, that would be ideal. Yes. <laughs> for all right, our so very important podcast episodes. <laughs> Do you want to? Is there anything else we want to talk about as an introduction? Um. Well, for me, I found that most of my my books, in fact, all of my books are not about war itself at all, because I think that that's more my interest are, are I don't find the fighting of war mm-hmm. particularly or military things particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. I know lots of people do, and that's mm-hmm. great, but it just isn't really what strikes me. Um, and in fact, when I read books that there where there is a part of actual fighting, then I tend to just tune out a little mm-hmm, bit mm-hmm. um so most of my stories on my list that i had to pick from were things about more the the lasting effects of war mm-hmm. or the people that are left behind mm-hmm. I, I would say so yeah it was very interesting to go through my my list of, yeah. of possibilities and think oh none of these actually deal with military right so right was, interesting yeah Lots of ways you can incorporate this this topic. I even thought yes. about doing Ender's Game at what one point. Oh yeah, there was another because um, yes. that's definitely a war right. time story, but right. it's not the way that we necessarily. Yeah. I, I always think World War Two when I'm yeah. thinking of wartime, wartime stories. stories. So, yeah, there was one uh, the Patrick Ness Chaos Walking series. I thought about doing. Oh yeah, that's yeah, sort yeah. of like a war, but it's sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of different there's ways to go. Ways. We could to do go with this multiple episodes. Oh. <laughs> All right. What's your first book for me? So the first book I picked is a very well-known book. Um, it's Cold Mountain by Charles Frazier. And I picked this um, just because I it's older. And I know that a lot of people have read it and many people have probably seen the movie, but they both came out. Um, I think Cold Mountain came out in the 90s, mid 90s. Mm-hmm. And then the the movie came out in the early 2000s, I want to mm-hmm. say. So it feel, I feel like it's been enough time um, 
that's that's passed since it came out and also it's kind of a book that i hear a lot of people say oh i've always meant to read that and never got to Mm -hmm. i think it's very well worth your time if you if you haven't picked this up um yeah and and very readable too in in ways that um sometimes literary fiction sometimes Mm -hmm. doesn't feel as readable to me but this one definitely is so it's basically the story of a confederate soldier named inman who is wounded during the last few months of the civil war and he's sent to recuperate in an army hospital and as he's healing, he knows that as soon as he's he's deemed fit to fight again, he'll be sent right back out on the front lines. And he doesn't really have any interest in having another brush with death or actually dying this time. So he decides that he's going to desert and and he does that. And he begins the long walk back home to his family farm on Cold Mountain, which is in uh, North Carolina, I think. And he has a sweetheart named Ada who's waiting for him there. And Ada is a refined Charleston lady, which I hadn't remembered. She was from Charleston until I, didn't I was reading. That. Well, when I read this, I lived in Ohio at the time, so yeah, I don't think I, it probably had. Yeah, the... I never. I was in Arizona, and it never. It wouldn't have mm-hmm. registered with me at all. So now I want to read it again and see Charleston stuff. Um, but she's the daughter of a minister, and her father dies, and she's left alone on the farm that he owned on Cold Mountain, and she has no idea what to do with this land. She doesn't know how to farm, and she's an outsider in the community because she has this more um, city background than anyone else there so so her situation is looking really dire that, that she might not survive this but she meets a young woman named ruby who offers to help ada get back on her feet and ruby is tough and no nonsense and she's also illiterate and she's basically the opposite of ada in every way um, but together they they scrape together an existence on the farm and they they sort of make up where the other one lacks. So so Ruby teaches Ada how to do manual labor and and practical living skills. And Ada educates Ruby and and teaches her how to read. And so they really need each other to survive the years ahead, which are going to be drastically different than anything they've ever known because the the world has changed because of the Civil War. And so in the meantime, you're hearing this story. You're reading about Inman's journey um, across the South as he encounters all kinds of people who are are both willing to help him and are some are there to endanger him and at the same time he's trying to to avoid being caught by the union army and by the confederate guard who are looking for deserters so there's a lot of dangers that he comes upon and this is obviously modeled after the odyssey and so so if you kind of think of if you've read the odyssey think of sorts of the sorts of things that happen to odysseus that's the name of the character. <laughs> that was weird. I had to think for, about it for a second. Um, all the things that happen to Odysseus when he's he's trying to make his way back to his wife. And there's all th- kinds of things that, that sort of um, take him on the wrong track. And, and so that's the kinds of adventures uh, or misadventures that Inman has. One of the things I really love about this book is that it's it's depicting the way it, it the way people had to survive while there's a war being fought far away from them. Um, and how much that affects their daily life on the home front. So Ada in particular, it, it would have been really easy to just have this be Inman's story where it's him trying to get get home and Ada is sort of this delicate flower that he remembers and idealizes. But this is also her story and she's fully fleshed out and she has her own journey that she has to, to go on and, and struggles to overcome. And I really love that about this book. Um, it won the National Book Award in whatever year it came out. I think 97, I want to say. Um, it has gorgeous writing and every character you meet is completely fascinating. And I think for me, at least it was a book that really stayed with me for a long time. I read this probably 10 years ago, I want to say. And and there's still scenes that I can remember really clearly. It, it's just really beautiful. And it's based on the, the author's uh, great-great-grandfather's story. So 
Um, so there's just lots of really beautiful ties to to him and his family and 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 having lived in the South now to see how the Civil War still just permeates every aspect of life here. So that's Cold Mountain by Charles Frazier. Co-signed. Hooray. Love that book. All right. My first one is Fives and Twenty Fives by Michael. I don't know how to say his last name. <laughs> Peter? I don't know. It's P-I-T-R-E. Sorry. I should have looked it up ahead of time. Um, and he was, the author was in the Marine Corps and he was deployed twice to Iraq before coming home and he earned his MBA. And after getting his degree, he decided to write, uh, this book, which is a novel based on his experience Mm. on those deployments. I had never heard of it until I saw it on your list. I know. So that's part of the reason I chose it because I actually had several more modern day war books to choose from. Mm. And I felt like, uh, Billy Lynn's halftime walk was one of the ones I considered, Mm -hmm. but that's becoming a movie or is already I out? Think I think it's out. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, so I just felt like that was maybe more commonly known. And then yeah. there were a couple of others. But this one I thought didn't get the attention. Uh, it came out maybe in 2013, 2012, somewhere in there. And I felt like there were multiple books all about kind of the same topic. Oh, and this yeah, one didn't redeployment come out? Redeployment, that, that was another stuff, one I considered. Yeah. yeah. So I just felt like it sort of got overshadowed by mm-hmm. some other books. But, um, but I thought this was really really an amazing book so the the title refers fives and 25s refers to the idea that when uh these characters are in a, a convoy or these soldiers are in a convoy to repair roads every time you stop you scan five meters around the vehicle um to make sure that there are no uh, ieds anywhere and then once you get out of the car you sweep 25 meters in every direction to make mm-hmm. sure that there are no roadside bombs because the idea is that they're repairing the roads and there are these potholes and crevices and things and, a, and an unexploded device could be in any yeah. of these spots. Um, so they need to make sure they're safe. So the, the novel focuses on three men who are part of one of these convoys and they relay their experiences and their memories of their time together, um, two of them being American soldiers, a first lieutenant and a medic, and then their interpreter is the third person, um, Kateb, but he goes by Dodge. <clears throat> and um, the novel goes back and forth between their time to in Baghdad or around Baghdad, repairing these roads, and then also shows the present to get a glimpse of how they're adjusting to life as civilians again, or mm-hmm. not, as the case may be, how they're not adjusting. And what I really thought was noteworthy about this book is that you I hope to never be in a situation like this but I really felt like I was there with them like you could feel the sweltering heat and the the dust and the the danger of there was there's sort of a monotony to the work in Mm -hmm. one way but at the same time you're always a little bit tense because Mm -hmm. you're not sure what you're going to encounter part of the story and I think any soldier story is synthesizing the horrors that you can see with the mundane routine things that happen. And so I think it's a really powerful and moving look at modern war and what that does to the psychological well-being of the men and women who are in these situations. And as I said, I feel like this wasn't given the notoriety that some of Mm -hmm. the other novels were that that all came out around the same time, but it's really well worth reading and um, I think gives a very sobering look at what it's like particularly to come home Um, and because one of the one of the characters the Americans come back comes back as a decorated 
soldier who is um, sort of like a hero, mm-hmm. and the other one is not. Yeah. <laughs> he is discharged not as honorably. So, um, so I think that seeing how both of those situations affects them as characters is is very valuable, mm-hmm. especially for people like us who will never experience anything like that. So that's fives and twenty fives by Michael. Peter, I'm going to say. That's <laughs> totally not right. It feels like it would be a good read along with, with Serial Season 2. Yes. Like, it, yes. Like a lot of that was, was talking about the yeah. the sort of the vast difference between the everyday boring mm-hmm. stuff and then you're constantly aware that at any moment something yes. could go wrong and you could die. And, and Yeah. 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 There was that movie that. that came out, won awards a few years ago. I can't remember. The Hurt Locker? The Hurt Locker. Yeah. Yes. And that sort of mm-hmm. focused on that same thing, the yeah. exhilaration and the adrenaline that comes along with the diffusing bombs, finding yeah. bombs, but also the sort of trivial, boring things yeah. that, go, that are every day and then trying to come home and, yeah. and um, come to terms with all of that. Yeah. It could be valuable for people that are are we, we have a lot of military in our mm-hmm. area so um people that that know soldiers that have come home mm-hmm. or, or marines that have come home with ptsd mm-hmm. and all the things that, that are just so hard for us to comprehend mm-hmm. because we don't see that and yeah so that sounds really good yeah i'll read it, was, it yeah all right what's your next one so my next book is another very famous book but it again it kind of touches on something with war that i wanted to highlight which you kind of talked about of what what it means to come home um, and that's Maisie Dobbs by Jacqueline Winspear. Oh. And it's a very beloved series. Um, it's the first, this is the first book in the series that at this point has about 12 or 13 books in it. So it's been going on for a while. And I think she writes about one per year, um, along with some other things. So, so in this, this first book, it actually takes, pa- takes place in 1929, which is long after the end of World War One, um, which ended in 1918. But the book um, and all of the books in the series that I've read so far, and I, I, I can't remember how many I've read, um, they've they've all completely revolved around the war. And so that's a really interesting choice to me that that it's set so far in the future, um, but it's still World War One is is such a central character in this book. So you get a really clear picture of how pervasively it, it affected the world afterward, both those that went to war and those that, that stayed home. So it gives a, a lot of the book it's a mystery series and the mystery is kind of not the main part of this book I would say it's it's more giving as establishing Maisie as a character so so you find out that she started working as a housemaid when she was a, a young teenager but she caught the attention of her employer thanks to her her obvious intelligence so she was given the opportunity to study study at Cambridge but then when World War One happens then she volunteers as a nurse on the front and she sees horrors that she couldn't imagine and she loses people that she loves and she sees her dreams of the future sort of sort of fall apart. So at the beginning of the book, she's just opened her own private investigation business after she's been studying for years with her mentor and who's named Maurice Blanche. And he he shows up multiple times in the book um, and in future books. So um, she's able to do this because she's a gifted observer of people and she understands their motivations really well. And she's really intuitive, um, which I, from everything I've read seems to be the the main requirement of a detective is that they have have good intuition um and she's really easily able to move between social classes because she grew up as a, a poor um in a poor family and became a housemaid but then she went to cambridge and has this amazing education and so she's really kind of can be a chameleon um depending on who where, where she needs to be at the time so in her first case um it 
comes to her and and looks like a simple and straightforward case of infidelity. But this leads her eventually to a convalescent home for wounded British soldiers who who want to be kind of away from the world, even many years after the war ended. But the the home seems to be doing more harm than good for the men who live there. So like I said, the mystery aspect of the book is fairly minor. It's it's definitely a, a compelling mystery, but but the majority of the book is is there to set up Maisie as a character and sort of to set the tone for the series. And I know several people that, that don't like this series. Um, I know many more people that love it, but I know a few people that don't like Maisie as a character in particular because she's very... Um, she's very quiet and a little cold and, and not very, and a little humorless, I guess. Um, and I totally agree with that, but it also to me shows what it means to be devastated by war and what it means to have to live with the things that you've seen and, and losing all the people that you, that you would have even many years later. And I actually would recommend listening to this in audio that I read the first book in print and it was fine. And then I listened to the others that I've, I've read in audio and I found that that really helped me connect with Maisie as a character a lot better than I had before. So that's that's my plug for for your format. But it's I I really enjoy the series. It's it's interesting also that this is a it's a series that's set in conjunction with uh, or in the same time period I should say as a lot of other mystery series that I love like the 1920s and and 30s are are sort of the heyday of of uh, the mystery genre, but it has a very different tone than than the others that I've read. So, so it's it's definitely worth your time. And the first book is called Maisie Dobbs by Jacqueline Winspear. All right, my next one is Half of a Yellow Sun by Chimamanda Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. I chose this because it was a non American or European war, mm-hmm. which I feel like I don't read many. Yeah, books that I didn't are, have any. Yeah. for for me. So, and I read this a while ago, so the details are fuzzy, so I'm sorry about that, but I'll try to give a good overview of it. I'm ashamed to admit how little I know about history in general, but particularly in places other than the U.S. and Western Europe. And so I remember when I read this book, it was completely eye-opening about an event that I'm fairly certain I didn't know anything about. Mm. Um, It takes place before, during, and after the, I think it's Biafran War, or Biafran War? I don't know. It was in the 1960s. And the idea was that there was this region that was going to secede from Nigeria and create an independent state of Biafra. Much like you said about Cold Mountain, this book focuses on the impact of a civil war that, excuse me, it focuses on the impact that a civil war has on ordinary people Mm -hmm. and what that does to them. And we have Uru, who is a young teenage boy. I think he's 13. He's left his very small village, which it was a poor village. He doesn't have much to go be a houseboy to this professor who's really radical and revolutionary and boisterous. And mm-hmm. he's very optimistic and full of hope about the future of this new nation. Um, and then you have uh, the other main characters that you follow are Olana and Kainin, who are both from a very wealthy and well-connected family. They're twins. And Olana is the professor's mistress and she and Kainin are estranged. And <clears throat> you see how... This was a three-year war, I think, and you see the impact that it has on each of these people from where they've come from and and what happened. So you have two people who are from this bubble of Mm -hmm. a very wealthy world, and then you have this young boy who's from a kind of a nothing background, and you see how war devastates everybody, no Mm -hmm. matter what what social class you might be, how wealthy you are. Or how wealth can help smooth the way in some in some instances, um, and this is not for the faint of heart. She shows a lot of the violence that comes along from 
these situations, um, but it's a very sobering look at the the toll war takes on any country um, and the citizens of that country. So that is Half of a Yellow Sun by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. She also wrote Americana, which is one of my favorite books yeah. of all time. She's doing a lot right now. She is. Articles about her nonstop right now. Yeah, she just, yeah, lots on feminism. Mm-hmm. Okay, my last book is The Muralist by B.A. Shapiro. And I hadn't remembered that I had talked about this during a preview episode, but then as I started writing, I was all, oh, I've, I know I've, this has been podcast adjacent. I know. It's just now starting to get to the point where I'm, I I, think, have I ever said that? Me too. Which before I I could tell you. Yeah, I used to know exactly. Now I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I've talked about it. I guess two years is our limit of memory. (laughs) Memory. (laughs) (laughs) Two years. Oh my gosh. That freaks me out. So this book is set in the current day and also in uh, 1939 during the lead up to World War II. And in the present day, an artist named Danielle is working at Christie's Auction House and she comes upon several paintings that she suspects were created by her great aunt who is named Elise Benoit. I don't know how to pronounce French names, so I may be making that up. And she was a known abstract expressionist who was working in New York City in the 1930s before she mysteriously disappeared in 1940. So these newly discovered paintings inspired Danielle to try to find out what happened to Alizé. Um, And her story is told in alternating chapters with with Danielle's investigation. So you get these back and forth constantly through the book. Alizé is in the center of the new abstract expressionism movement and is close friends with Jackson Pollock and Mark Rothko and Lee Krasner and Willem de Kooning. Um, but this is before any of them are famous. They're all literally starving artists who are working for the, the WPA. And she and her friends are, are developing a new style of art together. And it's, it's revolutionary and it's radical. But she, she's not able to devote herself completely to this because she's, she keeps receiving more and more concerning stories from her family about the atrocities going on in Europe and they're they all live in France and they're Jewish and so they're they're seeing their life completely fall apart while she's completely removed from it across an ocean so they are writing to her to beg for visas that can that will allow them to seek refuge in the United States and Alizé is doing everything in her power to make this happen even she directly implores Eleanor Roosevelt who who makes a brief appearance in this book whom she met during a tour of the facility where Alizé is creating public murals, which is where the the title of the book comes from. But she's fighting a losing battle against government officials who are secretly working to keep Jewish citizens, or Jewish refugees, I should say, out of the U.S. Um, And the U.S. hadn't joined the war effort at this point, and and then Alizé suddenly disappears. So so no one knows at all anything after that. There's several things I like about this story. I already, I think I've said I love art history. I love fictional depictions of art history, um, but most are predictably written about the Impressionists or the Italian Renaissance, and there's hardly anything that you can find, very few exceptions to, to those two eras. So I was really excited to find a period of art history that didn't fit into that. Um, but I also liked reading about art as a protest, and particularly when these artists were emerging into their own voices and trying to change the world with their art. And I would argue that all art is trying to do that to some degree, but um, most art movements are, are radical or controversial when they first come out, but they aren't always political. And this was definitely a political statement that that the um, that these artists were trying to make. And it was oddly prescient about the timing of its release. This this book came out right at the beginning of when we were um, dealing with, with the Syrian refugee um, um, events that, that were a couple of years ago or were last year. 
and it felt so creepy to to be reading this and have these these very same arguments against keeping keeping refugees in the country you'd read lines and it was like you could put together a quiz of who said this this line in the 1930s and who said it in 2015 and and you would have had uh or 16 16 um, you would have you you wouldn't know which which was from which situation and that was that was really upsetting to read that that we've been through this before and and I don't think a lot of people knew until um, last year that there had been a huge effort to keep Jewish refugees out of the United States during World War II. So there's, it, it's always so amazing to me to read about things that I didn't really know about in history. And, and I love that historical fiction sort of um, makes those moments alive for me. And to read a wartime story that, that focuses on the protest against war was really different for me. So that's The Muralist by B.A. Shapiro. I had no idea that was what it was about. I'm going to have to add that to my list. Yeah, it was really different. I, I mean, I guess I knew kind of the time period that it was about, but it, it really branches out in ways that I hadn't expected. Oh, awesome. All right, my last one is the North and South Trilogy by John Jakes. Ooh, and this is Patrick Swayze. All right, it's so good. This These were written in the 80s. Uh, and the I'm, covers show it. And the covers do show it. So it's a, a set of three novels. As I said, it's a trilogy. Uh, the first one is called North and South. The second one's called Love and War. And the last one's called Heaven and Hell. And it is about two families, uh, both very wealthy, the Hazards and the Mains. And the Hazards live in Pennsylvania. They own an iron works factory. Do you need to say factory if you say iron works? I don't know. <laughs> I don't Maybe. know these things. I don't think so. <laughs> So I'm just going to say they own an ironworks and the Maines uh, live in South Carolina and own a rice plantation. And George Hazard and Ori Maine meet when they are cadets at West Point and they form a very strong friendship which ties the family together for generations. And when they first meet, it is 1842. So much of the actual Civil War stuff takes place in the second book, if I remember correctly. But the first book sets it all up uh, and sets up all the loyalties and the conflicts and the the drama that's to come um, and it's good in its own right but I'm just since this is a war mm-hmm. episode I'm pointing out that the second book I th- it, like I said if I remember correctly it's really the second book that focuses on the civil war so you have all these characters because they're both from bigger families um, and and it goes through a period of many many years so you're seeing uh, all these different people and then their children and and so it's one of these epic stories and um, you have George's sister who is a staunch abolitionist and against everything that the Maines basically stand for because they own a plantation and mm-hmm. have slaves. And then you have Ori's younger, one of Ori's younger sisters falls in love with George's younger brother. And so it's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet situation because then it's a civil war and they're torn apart. And it's like, oh, what do we do? Um, <laughs> and um, and uh, it's just, it's, it's all... If you like these kinds of longer epic books, you sort of know what you're getting. It's yeah. like the, you know, bad things happen to them that they have to overcome or not. Mm-hmm. And um, it's you just get drawn into this this soap opera kind mm-hmm. of story. I haven't read these in a while. As you mentioned, they also made a miniseries mm-hmm. out of it with Patrick Swayze, uh, who plays Ori. And that's so good, too. <laughs> um <laughs> It's just, it's exactly if you, if you want to just sink into a, an all encompassing story mm-hmm. where you feel like you just spend time, if you want to just spend time with these characters and really get to know them and then see what they go through and see what the war is like for these two different families and all of the people within the family, 
you just sink into it, suspend your disbelief about maybe because there are some now again, it was written in the 80s. So I, I don't know if there are caricatures of some of the, you know, of some of the maybe the slaves or the yeah. abolitionists. I don't I, I can't speak to that. But I do remember there are a lot of forward thinking Southerners mm -hmm. portrayed like they're very it's very black and white. There are evil people and there are good yeah. people. And the good people, even if they're from the South, they don't believe in slavery, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, or things like that. So I don't know how true it is historically, but I do know John Jakes did a lot of research on it. I, I don't I don't think it would be even I think it would hold up today if you read. Mm -hmm. I don't think you would be appalled at like the the like in Gone with the Wind, right. the way you're appalled at the right. way um, the slaves are described. And, and I don't think that that's what you would take away from it. Um, but it's just one of those sometimes for me personally, sometimes I just want a book that I'm not going to be able to finish in a few hours. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, that was good. I'm going to move on to the next one. Sometimes I want a book that I'm really just going to spend some time with and feel like I have been through something mm -hmm. with those characters. And, um, and that's what North and South is for me. And so that's North and South by John Jakes. It doesn't seem like, like I know there's long books that are written and there's sweeping books that are written, but that seems very... 80s it to is me. very 80s to me like that yeah i don't think that giant paperback yeah there's just epic yeah like you said, sweeping stories i mean you had like the thorn birds right. i was just and, thinking the thorn yeah birds. you just had so many of those in the 80s that we I don't have anymore i don't the, know why the reason for that I like know. i always I want to know it. yeah a little bit i mean outlanders sort of sort that, of but not but, that same the, this like multi-generational yeah. family thing was something i feel like was much more popular in yeah. the 80s because of soap operas maybe soap operas aren't really a thing anymore mm -mm. maybe i want to research this you you get back to us on that <laughs> but if you find that some that are currently being written i want to know about them yeah i love that sort of thing love it yeah all right. Oh, we're all done. Okay, so we'll be right back with what we're reading this week. What are you reading this week? I just finished The Plague of Doves by Louise Erdrich, and it's not an easy book to describe, so I'll muddle through as best I can. Um, I just finished it a couple of days ago, and I'm still kind of unsure of, of what to say about it because it's such a complex book. It starts with a very intriguing premise. Um, it's just like a half-page introduction that, that, that pulls you right in. Uh, there's a family that lives on a remote farm outside of Pluto, North Dakota, and they've been murdered. And everyone in the family is is dead except for a baby who was left abandoned and there are no answers on um who committed this crime so this is this is a book that i did for my uh my mystery book club and it's kind of outside of how, what mm -hmm. we usually read which is very fun to do and pluto and the area that surround it are populated by the native ojibwe tribe and there are also whites who have moved into the area that are um, of german and scandinavian descent 
And then years later from this, this murder, the community, these two communities um, who were very separate have begun to intermarry and merge and they're producing um, mixed race children. And so it seems like there should be more of a sense of, of oneness between them, but there really isn't. There's still constant tensions between them. And a lot of it comes from this crime that happened um, decades in the past. So the central character is named Evelina Harp, and she is listening to the story of the crime and the resulting fallout from her grandfather named uh, Musham, is what she calls him. And he has first knowledge, firsthand knowledge of what happened immediately after the murders. So the the narration then shifts between Evelina and other members of the community who are telling their own stories, um, and it doesn't really seem to all fit together. It, it's, you kind of wonder why you're hearing about this other stuff that's happening to different people in the community. As you read, you you see how the stories all weave together and the cause and effect that the community experiences from these choices that, that every person makes um, and how they all play into to this history that they share from these murders. So there's there's lots of symbolism in this book, and that was mainly what we talked about in my, my book club. We kind of sat down and said, okay, well, what do you think this meant? And had to kind of, it, it wasn't so much me saying, saying like leading the, the discussion as me saying uh okay so this person had this happen how how did that play into this this other thing that happened like it was almost teasing it apart because it's just such a knot that that um louise erdrick has written and it it kind of has a, a circular writing style to it so so what i read in reviews that is very reminiscent of the Na- native american storytelling tradition and if you've any read other louise erdrick that's a huge influence on her her writing style I would say it's one of the most difficult books that I've ever read. I definitely could use a second read of this book and and kind of wanted to start all over again once I had finished just to try to tease apart a little bit more of, of what I had I had just read. Um, but despite that, um, sometimes complexity is not a good thing, but I found this Im- immensely rewarding. I knew that every single word in the book was deliberately chosen and they were all beautiful. And I thought that it was very readable because it had this this murder mystery element, which always is is a way to bring me into a book very easily. And as I was getting ready for the the book club, I read an interview with Louise Erdrich on on NPR where she said that the goal with this book was to show the effect that history can have on the everyday decisions that people make for generations after, um, which is really fascinating to think about, like the ways that that we live our lives are determined by the people that came before us and and. I just really loved it. And that is The Plague of Doves by Louise Erdrich. I still have never read her. I need to. Her, I read La Rose mm-hmm. and I liked it a lot. And I even would say that I loved it. But then it had magical realism in it. And that just, like, I, I, I can never get 100% behind that. But this one didn't really have, it had a little bit of mystical elements, mm-hmm. but... Um, but very light. Mm-hmm. So I think this would be probably a good good starting. Good, yeah, I I mean I haven't read that much of yeah. her, so I shouldn't say for sure. But but really that that murder mystery propels you yeah. through the book. So yeah. so that yeah, might be a good way it. to get into it. I think it. the Roundhouse too. I've heard it. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I think this is kind of considered a trilogy, like oh. a very loose trilogy with I didn't know that the Roundhouse. So okay. it's it's not listed that way on Goodreads, but but from what I've read, it was the the start of a trilogy, okay. and and I think the Roundhouse would be in there, and maybe La Rose. I'd have to look that up, but, um, but yeah. Okay. Let's try it. All right. So what I read this week is actually what I listened to this week, which I feel like I'm constantly, that's what I'm choosing <laughs> to talk about. 
I don't know. Maybe audiobooks just stick in my mind yeah, better. Yeah, it's kind of a different reading. Like sometimes I'll read books and say I want to talk about that on a different episode right. of the podcast, yes. and so I'm not going to talk about it as what I'm yes, reading. I so think, yeah, but audiobooks choose. are a little. At least for me, I pick audiobooks based on the ease of listening yes. to them, and yeah. maybe that isn't necessarily what I'm going to pull into another episode. I so. think that's possible. Yeah, yeah. All right, so it's Behind Closed Doors by B. A. Paris. Ooh, it's a thriller. I wanted to read this. It's I never so got good. to it. Uh, let me describe it first, and then I have some commentary after. Okay. <laughs> All right. On the surface, Grace and Jack, their marriage seems ideal. They met in a park when Grace was on an outing with her younger sister, Millie, who has Down syndrome and is uh, significantly younger than Grace. Grace is in her 30s, and Millie is like 17, 16 okay. or 17 when they meet. <clears throat> and Grace has, has been her primary caretaker because Grace's parents kind of washed their hands of both their kids long oh. ago like they never really wanted to be parents so grace is taking care of millie um and plans on being her sole caretaker when she leaves school at 18 she's at a, like a boarding school not boarding school but you know what i mean yeah like a residential yeah. school for kids with down syndrome and J- jack sweeps grace off her feet he seems like the perfect man he's handsome and kind and a su- successful attorney he tries cases on behalf of women in domestic abuse situations so you think he's just perfect and after a whirlwind romance they get married and immediately after the wedding it becomes apparent that jack is not at all who he has represented himself to be imagine that and he is cold and heartless and plans to basically keep grace prisoner and then once millie graduates from the school and comes to live with them, keep Millie prisoner as well and has horrible, horrific things planned for both of them. Why, why would, does, do you find out why? Yeah. Well, sort of. Okay. Okay. So, um, it seems like a lot of effort to go through too. Right, 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 right. Okay. <laughs> so the narrative shifts between the present as it's getting closer and closer to Millie's release from school and the past as we see how this all unfolded, their courtship and then their marriage and, and how they end, how Grace where she is now mm-hmm. in their relationship and um, how she's becoming increasingly more desperate to escape. But at the same time, any previous attempt has failed so completely that mm-hmm. she's kind of losing hope that it's even possible. And she obviously is desperate to escape Jack's clutches for herself, but more, even more for Millie because she's so concerned about what's going to happen. And she knows if anything happens to her because they're married, Jack will still have responsibility mm-hmm. for Millie because her parents live in New Zealand now and this takes place in England and so it's like basically she there's no good outcome here mm-hmm. okay so here's my commentary <laughs> this was such a good audiobook because the, the way the story moves it's paced really well I thought so it never gave me a chance to stop and think about the like logistics of yeah, some things yeah. so like potential plot holes or the believability of yeah. some of this stuff. Like I just went with it and just couldn't wait to find out what happened next, what happened next. And and just the way it's structured makes it, this is a great kind of audiobook in my opinion, because it totally captures your attention, keeps you listening. It's one of those that, you know, you take an extra long walk with the dog or you stay in the car in the driveway because you want to hear more of it. Mm-hmm. It's so tense. And the way it builds is just this constant tension that you just keep thinking, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to resolve. Yeah. I just don't know how this is going to resolve. And so I think that's all I'm going to say about, because I don't want to obviously give anything away, but I would just say, I think it would probably be a good book to read as well. I just know myself. And if I were to read it, I think I would have had questions in my yeah. mind. Yeah. But because I listen to audiobooks while I do other things, I just kind of went with the story. Yeah. And I just thought it it was just so good. It was just such kind of what I like about a thriller where you're, it takes these turns that you're, 
Like, there's no real twist in the book, I don't think, because yeah. you know from the get-go that he's not this great guy. Yeah. And so it's not like you're waiting for the shoe to drop of, like, what's the twist? It's just new things keep happening you're like oh my gosh oh my gosh what's gonna happen next um so that's behind closed doors by b.a paris that's that's the appeal of of that kind of book is you sort of just let it wash over you yeah yeah you can't think about it too much i don't think because after i finished it i was reading some reviews of it and i was like oh they kind of have a good point about some of this stuff i was like i don't even care like yeah yeah yeah. it was so entertaining to listen to and horrifying and it was just so good (laughs) <laughs> All right, so let's uh, list off what we talked about. Okay, I talked about Cold Mountain by Charles Frazier, Maisie Dobbs by Jacqueline Winspear, The Muralist by B.A. Shapiro, and what I read this week was The Plague of Doves by Louise Erdrich. And I talked about Fives and Twenty Fives by Michael Peter, Half of a Yellow Sun by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, and North and South by John Jakes or the North and South Trilogy. And what I read this week was Behind Closed Doors by B.A. Paris. If you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com or find us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at wellreadpodcast. And we have received a few suggestions recently, yeah, it's which been is so super fun. fun. So please, if you are sitting there listening, thinking, oh, I would love it if they talked about this, please just reach out to us. We always love suggestions and it, we add them to our list and try to get to them as quickly as we can. Um, if you could rate and review us on iTunes or your other podcast provider of choice, we'd appreciate it. Our podcast is engineered by Adam Farber. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at BeaufortCountyLibrary.org slash wellread, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode. Thank you all for listening and happy reading. <laughs>